not manslight me or manslight me. Miss Happy late birthday. Thank you. I'm 30. Yeah. Ugh. You seem so excited. <laughs> I'm not. Um, yeah, no, I, it's fine. I was just having a freak out moment because I, um, I, I'm, I'm like closer to death than I am to youth and. Not true. But I mean like. You live to 80. You still got 10 the, more years till you're you know halfway through. Drink? I ain't living to no goddamn 80. They're going to have so many, you know, solutions by then. Okay, hopefully. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. I'll give you my fucked up liver, too. <laughs> okay, so then I have two shitty livers? It'll, yeah, you'll have, you know, one and a half type of deal. <laughs> um, yeah, it was like, um, I I was like freaking out about it, but not because uh, I don't want to be 30. I'm sure 30 is going to be fine. It was just, you know, it's a weird thing getting used to the idea that you're like a grown up and um, that, you know... Like, I was the hottest, the hottest I've ever been was, like, eight years ago. Wrong. No, true. I was, like, really hot when I was funny. <laughs> um, I met you, you're so hot, you're still hot. Well, like, no. I, I mean. No, this was, like, this was, like, I I used to fuck rich guys and not have to do things. I was to about to it. say one of them that was, like, I probably shouldn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't think he would look at me now at all. Uh, but. Uh, but, but yeah, soon so you're going like to be the one you're going to be dating 20 year old dudes and you're going to oh, be. <laughs> no, God. Uh, so, yeah, like so I um, I was really frustrated because like I've given up on the being hot thing. I, like I don't care to look how I looked when I was 21, but it is very bizarre to like have a different body now. My body's doing different things and, you know, just like it makes you check in. Yeah, and it started to make me, like, deal with, like, mortality, like, I'm on the other side of this, like, young thing. Yeah. And, uh... I mean, I feel so bad when my friends are, like, so dreading being 30, because I'm, like, excited, but then I used to always say that, like, my friend would be, like, so worried, she'd be like, you know, I'm almost 30, or I'm 30, and I'd be like, whatever, you know, like, it's fine, and now, like, you know... When you start getting up there now, I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, so that was what was happening. What happened was um, it was like it's one of these milestones that you don't know you care about until you care about them. And it's like you know better than to give a shit. Like I've had an amazing 29th year. Like, yeah. It, so many things went well. Like, But it's like regardless, you just kind of look at it like it's not a bad thing. Like you said, it's just like, whoa. Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, I was like thinking, oh, my mom had come to America, had two kids, started a household, been married, and, like, I haven't even been in a serious adult relationship, you know, so... It's such a different life. Yeah. You have such a more individualized life. Yeah, and so that was, like, alarming because you sort of are raised, even if you outgrow the ideas, you're still raised with these sort of uh, standards. Yeah. so... You can't completely escape these sort of, like expectations or differences and so like yeah so part of my part of me was like oh my god like i can't believe that that's just gonna keep happening though it doesn't i mean my dad is 74 now and like every time he's like i still look in the mirror and i think who is this old man (laughs) like oh god yes we're just gonna see like older but i think it's like you know it's cool because the whole thing is is like 
at least you're still alive. Like, I feel like every time I always like expose, like always scared I was going to die as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm like, hey, you know what? I got to do some shit like that's cool. So anything after this is just I'm taking bonus, you know, Well, you know, that's so funny that you're talking about what you desk because I was watching um, I did all I did like fucking a week of like depressing true crime documentaries. On you Netflix. no way. And uh, so I, watched- I can't imagine you, Rafa Asani, <laughs> laying in bed and watching only murder shows. <laughs> Once you finally get some time off. Um, yeah. And so I watched that uh, HBO documentary, Paradise <laughs> Lost on the West Memphis Three. Oh, my God. And one of them, I think his name is Damien Eccles. He was talking about he was like he just they were interviewing him and he was talking about the horror of like knowing that he went into jail as a boy and his hair is receding. Oh God. And like. He just was talking about how different he looks physically. And I mean, obviously, I'm not in crime. <laughs> I'm not in jail for a crime I probably didn't commit. So there's that whole thing. But like, you're relating I'm not to on this death guy. row like that, you know? <laughs> you're like, that's me. That's me. But yeah, I did kind of was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to walk into the mirror every day and notice something falling off my face now. And listen, I recommend Dr. Brant's. <laughs> great skincare but then it's like i don't want to have to i didn't have to do it before anyway i'm just whining i'm happy to be alive i've had the best year ever mm-hmm. and you have it's great um, it's only getting better yeah and you are gorgeous <laughs> thank you I wasn't and 21 year old hot is not like authentically hot it's like weird hot it's like you're hot partially because you're hot and partially because you're 21 yeah <laughs> that's totally true you know yeah so i like the 30 year old ray and also, you know, she's learned. She has a better job. She's better at sex. She's way better at sex, way I'm sure. Sex. Yeah. God, I think ba- it's so crazy. It truly is like the cruelest thing that like dudes have their sexual peak at like 16. <laughs> and everybody was like, once you get into your 30s, you get real horny. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, right. I'm not horny at all right now. This is terrible. I was like a teenager. And I'm like it seems so easy for them to come. And then like now I'm like almost 30 and I'm, it's just starting and I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) I was thinking, I'm like so happy. I'm not a dude because I'll just be at the grocery store and I'll be like, Oh my God, I'm like, horny right now what if everybody could see it that would be terrible (laughs) like you know women we can just kind of like think and let ourselves drift but like every time on a crowded subway i say thank god i don't have a penis i will give the dudes that whenever i give them my i you know because i'm gonna sandwich once we have them in our torture chambers we're gonna sandwich the re-education with compliments (laughs) you know so i'm gonna say it must have been really hard for you to have a dick on the subway because i would be fucking terrified even if you're not hard just like you're bumping into things it's also close i'm always so scared i'm gonna feel a dick on me like uh. i did feel a dick on me Uh. when i was like 15 and then my um my friend jessica i was like jessica what is that because it was on like it was on my right thigh was it purposeful or just so crowded ew because I, it was like, it was really crowded, but also like this you can man pull was your putting back. his dick on my thigh. Yeah. And I go, Jessica, what is that? And then she goes, she looks down. She was like, you don't want to Oh my God, you're a teenager? Yeah, I was like 15 or 16. This is why it's so gross. It's really gross. And then she, and then I look up and it's just this man, like this nerd with like glasses on and like he was looking like he didn't want me to notice that I... He didn't want me to notice that he didn't want to notice that I noticed that of this course. thing was happening. So he was just looking ahead and acting like, I mean, it's not like Jessica and I were, we were 15. We didn't whisper well. <laughs> like, so 
But um, I will get I am so like predatory in the way that I am like scouting and spying on men when I'm in public because I am truly never at rest. Like I am just always so upset and paranoid because I'm like. I'm just always looking around because like this other day, this old dude like pretty crowded and I see him kind of like playing with this girl's skirt who he's like totally not with. And I like turn to him really sharply like he looks at me back. I'm just like, (laughs) you know, watching him. It's just it's fucked up. Well, I was a teen. That shit like that happens when you're a teenager because dudes know they can fuck with you. It's always like these 20 something year old dudes. Well, did you see that? Um, Did you see that video clip of like it was a guy on the bus in Rosedale, Queens this year? And he got in trouble, actually, because he beat up a guy who was abusing a little girl. Good. So he like beat up. But that's this the thing. Man. Yeah. If you do that, then you'll get in trouble. You know? Yeah. I mean, he got in trouble, but I think the man got in more trouble. But it, yeah. But it's like, you know, I can't say that like. I know I have friends who would like Carrie Cadet, you know, mm-hmm. like I know for a fact if something wild was going on, she would interfere. She'd come out in her army but, pants. Right. But like, <laughs> I don't know necessarily that I'm like brave enough to like, you know, Depends see a man abusing day. a girl and hit like hit him. I'd be like, hey, but like that happened to a friend or like ours? mouth to her. Are yeah. you OK? Yeah. But I, Carrie, I think, would just, you know. My dad used to do that when I was a kid, and I would get really, like, uncomfortable because if he saw somebody, like, beating up on their kid, he would, like, always say like, something. Relax. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, like, some stuff isn't your business, but, like, if you're whooping your kid's ass, like, in a public space, exactly. it's if everybody's you're business. If you're swatting at your kid, that's one thing. If you're straight it's up fucking. Business. Yeah, hitting your kid, like. And, and you know, people, they're. Part of why domestic abuse and intimate partner violence happens so frequently is because people decide it's not their business. Yeah, they just look away. It's so much easier. So, you know, some things are our business. Like domestic violence, like intimate partner violence does have an effect on this collective good. Yeah. That's what they don't realize. That's why it's crazy because you're like, even if you fucking hate feminists, like you should want domestic violence people to not have guns. And to be watched because they always usually turn that violence against men like, you know, or everybody in general. But it's like, why? Like, we have to be like, it could hurt you, too. And then they're like, oh, well, maybe we should really look it's at this. It's insane that we have to uh, explain why things that are really harmful to a full 51 percent of the I population know. is like worth it to amend. <laughs> they can't like that's It's so frustrating trying to get them to like really Empathize. lift that veil. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's insane. Um, and also, like, uh, Chris Brown's mom got the shit kicked out of her. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not like these things don't have effects on the boy kids. Totally. Or, like, you know, the boy family members. This is what I was realizing. Like, so many, like, a lot of these dudes. I just did this podcast that hasn't come out, though. But it's basically, like, where you talk. I talked to this guy who called me a bigot. And we, like, had this conversation and you like and I'm not excusing it, but it's like you realize that a lot of these dudes come from a point of like deep pain with a certain situation or like whatever it is. And they've made these decisions in their mind. And then they do like they they don't understand like they can't possibly look at the fact of like 51 percent of the population. They have to be convinced they can't see it. Well, that's a, like because they feel so personally victimized. Well, the thing is, like, I, you know, I want to be patient about that, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, I don't have the luxury of being walked into empathy. Exactly. Right? Like, I've had to demonstrate it 
from the beginning because I am a black woman and I was raised to be a mule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was raised to love black men despite what might happen to me because of them or and then suck it up when other shit goes mm-hmm. down for the greater good. So it's like, man, I'm not going to walk with you on this like conversation and teach you how to give a shit about other people. Yeah. When, you know, my selfishness like my selfishness doesn't get the space to flourish mm-hmm. as much as I wanted to because I love being selfish. Yeah, you're supposed to suck it up for both. It's like you're supposed to suck it up for the good of black men and then white women are always like, yeah. okay, like you might not and like not this particular a person or like a yeah. trans person, you know? So yeah. it's like, it's like, um, yeah, the idea that like we're still working on people like Matt Damon to just get it. It's oh like God. so annoying. First of all, Matt Damon, I mean... They always, it's always like, first they had Harvey Weinstein responding to Selma Hayek, and they always have the same headline where they're like, Harvey Weinstein breaks his silence. And it's like, okay, well. Silence? What? Like, breaking silence? Uh, like I'm like, can we fix? He's not breaking, breaking his silence. He's I know. like hiding from the interval. I'm like, where's the tech guy? Can we get the tech guy to fix the silence men keep breaking, please? Because it's really disturbing. It's like, you, you like, you don't. Yeah, what is he supposed to be saying? Like, breaks his silence. Like, what is he supposed to be saying every day? He's supposed to be saying every day he didn't do this. Like, I don't understand. They all think they're going to come back. I mean, it's like Louis C.K., you already have Matt Damon's whole thing where it's like you have them being like, well, you know, let's just take a step back for a second and let's realize that these things happen on a scale and not everything is as bad as rape or child molestation. And first of all, it's so condescending because it implies that women not only don't know that, but don't intuitively know that and know the differences because we're constantly navigating the well, differences. So, but also it's a tactic, right? It's a tactic because, to keep the central yes. focus on men. Not even that. Like even... It's even more malicious than that, I think, where it's like, um, it's basically invalidating things that aren't child that molestation aren't worst, or rape, yeah. right? So, like, you're not allowed. We're not monsters. Yeah. yeah. So, you're not allowed to. See, because what he was doing was refoc- was was um, reframing so that Louis C.K. was a good man. Right. That was, that was what. Because he's not the worst right. man. Because he, that was the point Matt Damon was making. Like, ultimately, he was saying, hey, you guys, like, Harvey Weinstein isn't Louis C.K. And the point isn't that they're the same people. Mm-hmm. The point is that there's a culture of what Louis C.K. does that does that allows for the more extreme versions like what Harvey Weinstein does. Well, and how, like you said, like with the teaching empathy thing, like it's so frustrating because they can't handle more than one conversation at a time or else they're like, oh, so many women things. And it's like it's frustrating because this is not just a conversation about assault and harassment and women processing those things and how women feel about it. This is about us being not allowed to work. This is about our work situation. And we need work to be financially independent from men. Right. So it's like it's frustrating because it's like you're saying that those are different things. But in both of those scenarios, even if it's on different scales, there are women by the dozens who had to leave their jobs, who had to make tough decisions about whether or not they should put up with abuse or stay at their or leave their jobs you know, and he's acting like those are completely unrelated. Like he wants to make it so well, oh, women who have been raped, that's awful. But women who are bullied out of their jobs, I mean, yes, that's bad. But was the man a genius? You know, like uh, yeah. Louis C.K. bought the movie rights back 
for his I love you, daddy, from the studio. And some people are saying maybe he's doing that to ensure that no one ever sees it. But I think it's the opposite. I think he's, he's going to put it out on his website. In three years, he's going to say, look, I'm truly sorry. Here's all the work I've been doing on myself. And now let me just kind of step back well, to I mean, where I, I was. Don't mind, look, I don't mind him. I'm not somebody who thinks that people are. <sighs> I'm not somebody who thinks that people can't be rehabilitated. Right. Right. So if he I'm not going to say he doesn't deserve to own his movie. Right. Mm -hmm. Buy the rights to your movie. You can afford it. You can put it out later. Yeah. I just want us to also not be not talking about like not be not talking about that big thing. Right. Right. Because I want it like if if we're going to. If he because he didn't. He didn't apologize. Exactly. So that's why it's not just, oh, man, this guy fucked up. Because even if that was it, and I still think Matt Damon is wrong, even if Louis C.K. was sort of apologetic and seeking redemption. But, like, he wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, he can buy his movie back and put it out. And people are going to buy it. There's no canceling people in this, in this, in that climate. But... Just every time something comes up about him, I just want you to say uh, admitted sex abuser. Right. Because and not let these guys just kind of be like, well, he did his parts. Now let's never talk about it again. It's like, no, if you want to like this guy, you have to like him while acknowledging. Exactly. So like I saw this tweet by Jeet here and. Really, why do you people keep retweeting him into my timeline? <laughs> but Jeet here is this like Canadian um, writer who takes himself too seriously. And so today he was like, I've been thinking about it for a long time and we have to separate the art from the artist. And I said, who is we? Oh why do we God. have to do anything? It's like. You can separate the art from they the artist. Can. You can, but that's a conversation Every time you have with yourself. Screen, I think of any time, like I can't watch Woody Allen anymore because when he comes on screen, I think about a little girl being molested every single time. <laughs> I also never, I've never seen a Woody Allen film, so I mean, I'm not losing save anything. Save your brain. Like it's <laughs> like, of course, some of his movies were good. Like this one movie, Bananas, he had was like one of my favorite movies. But it's like, it's just now to the point where it's like you said. You can separate the art from the artist and then call me emotional for not doing so. Why or for but like who do you think? But also like how how intellectually dishonest is it? Because if you know, we have to separate the art from the artist, why? Yeah. Why am I the unreasonable emotional one for not separating the art from the artist? Why aren't you emotional for finding um sanctity in mm-hmm. pieces of in works that aren't yours yeah there was a just really good because you like exactly the art i mean there was like these are the apologies we've gotten we've gotten i'm gay we've gotten <laughs> i still can't believe that nigga did that i mean can you he said he said uh first of all i was hella drunk second yeah i'm gay <laughs> and you see that picture of 14 year old anthony rap and he is he looks like a child. Yes. Yeah. That was a baby right there. I worked for a guy like that. I mean, you have Mario Batali tweeting out this recipe with his no, he apology. Didn't tweet it. He didn't tweet it was on his website, it I mean. Astonishing. But here's the, I posted this in the militia in the woods group, but it's so funny to me that these guys are finally being outed like in the restaurant world. Cause Tom Coluccio. Calicchio. Calicchio. Don't mess up Tom's name, okay? <laughs> Tom uh, Tom is 
Thomas Chef Bay. <laughs> I know. And like Tom Colicchio was like saying how now that this wave is hitting, there's going to be tons in the restaurant world. And anybody who's ever worked in food service is like, oh, no shit. I mean, my first job in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I worked for a literal pedophile. This girl oh, that shit. he dated, he started, he left his 30 year old wife to be with a 17 year old who looked 14. A waitress caught him looking at child porn in the office. And there was this other guy who we worked with who they were joking openly with us about how they were looking at the age of consent laws in every state and how in South Carolina it's 14. Did you see that joke? I can't remember who it was, but I think like Tom Tucker like retweeted it. Yeah. But it was like some comedian on Conan and he was talking about how creepy it is that... um, that uh, age of consent laws vary from state to state. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. It's so crazy because that means that there's been several times they know they can't get it through federally. Well, so that's one. That's what it means. But his bit was like, he, obviously, that's in, it's in her incorrect historically. But he basically was like the founding fathers were we're trying to decide like that 18, like that there's an age of consent. And then somebody is like, uh, uh, isn't that a states rights issue south carolina <laughs> jicks your well, honor so so i will say that um i think like deciding the difference between 16 17 and 18 that in england that, it's 16 that like makes more sense like well, you know but and also like some states do grow up faster than other ones right yeah like there are gonna be kids who are 17 dating 18 year olds 19 year olds um and because I know that's people socially acceptable in that have world. been really fucked up like i know a guy who has to register as a sexual offender because he was 18 dating a 16 year old with religious parents in a religious county and he right. got you know fucked over right so i i do think that that like you know i do think that there's some value to sort of assessing your environment and um and moving accordingly but like it is kind of weird that yeah. you can be like well in arizona it's 14 i don't I know, know if that's true like that's, but, um, <laughs> no offense to arizona arizona is like it's 21 here <laughs> um i always say the age of consent should be 35 um no but i'm kidding <laughs> oh my god i would have do you like i would have like i remember as a kid like I still had a hymen, so it didn't feel good. <laughs> but, like, I kept trying to figure out how to masturbate. Oh, like, against like, the water jets in the pool? You're like... No, no, mm. no. Because I, like, I figured out my clip pretty early on. Mm-hmm. But Lucky it was, you. like... <laughs> but I just couldn't comprehend how fucking, like, actual coitus was going to be pleasurable. Yeah. So I'd make these dildos. Like, I'd fashion these <laughs> dildos out of, like... I would wet... <laughs> oh my god i would wet paper towel like tons of it and then just to see what it just, would feel like yeah so you just, just made a tampon basically yeah so i made a super large tampon so i'd like i would like wet paper towel and then you know m- squeeze it so into like the like a phallic shape and then wrap it with saran wrap oh my god and try to fuck myself with it what if that's it shows initiative you know it shows engineering skills but also you know one time my brother like my brother liked to play tricks on me and my sister and so like one time he like played a trick on me like scared the shit out of me in my room and i wasn't using it but yeah. he saw it he goes, what is that, a fake dildo? Like, he knew right away. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I wow. think I was like 13, 14 maybe. 
That's so yeah. I remember being like, wow, like as soon as the dick gets in you, you come. Like according to movies, that's yes. incredible. And the first time I had sex, I'm like, when does this feel good? Yes, I remember this girl. It's so sad because she's dead now. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> well, she got shot by a stray bullet in our old neighborhood. Oh my god. Yeah, but I remember. So we were in. We went to the same public school, but we went to different junior high just, schools. You just start every story now. I mean, like it's sad because like she is dead now, <laughs> but like it's still a good story. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Asia. But, um, R.I.P. But uh, I I remember like we were in fifth grade. We no, we were in sixth grade and we had gone to different junior high schools. And I saw her like walking home from the bus stop or something because we all lived in the neighborhood of our post schools. And um, and then she was talking about how she was really sexually active. And yeah. she was. She had a baby super young and everything. But um, but she was like talking about how great it was to be super sexually active and i'm still like this you know i'm like 11 <laughs> i remember I'm, this age and you're looking at those girls just being like i want to get fingered in the stairwell no that's not <laughs> what i was thinking i was thinking uh, i used to be so jealous of the like hot girls in like no. sixth grade and then later i'm like oh god no 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 i did not have envy of that um i like i <laughs> i <laughs> i was like wait what like why do you have sex? Like, doesn't it hurt? She goes, yeah, but after the first hit, it feels good. Like, she was trying to convince me to lose my virginity. Uh, I thought she was your age? Yeah. My gosh. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, you know, she she'd had, like, a rough family situation. I mm-hmm. I mean, like, not every early sexually active person mm-hmm. has a rough um, situation, but I can guarantee there is not it's a something. Lot. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the thing is, like, I remember being like, oh, am I behind the curve? Because, like, there are some people who are getting at it early. And now, like, one of the girls, like, I'm still friends with, and it was like, yeah, not a great situation. Yeah. Like, anytime girls are, like, se- we're sexualized so young, because I remember being really cognizant of the fact in, like, fifth or sixth grade that i was like not hot you know what i mean oh really and you're like that young yeah i remember being like and not hot or not pretty because those are different things it started like sixth grade to be like hot like i remember like watching like lizzie mcguire in like sixth and seventh grade and the boys being like she's like not hot at all like stuff like like they're already talking like that kind of like and I know even younger, I feel like you're watching MTV. You're like, you know. Well, so like, I mean, it starts really early. Like, um, I like was saying uh, a little bit ago, like, um, you start sexualizing girls so young. I mean, the idea that you would tell a child she needs to cross her legs is insane. Yeah. Even like, I remember my mom telling me that she didn't want me to shave my legs when like all of my friends were shaving my le- their legs. And she was like. You know, I'm sorry. My mom was always pretty like upfront. She was like, you know, I'm sorry, like, but it's kind of a sexual thing. So I don't see why a sixth grader needs to do it. You know what I mean? And I was like, it's not sexual. And my mom's like, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, Fortunately for me, I have no unfortunately for my face. I have no facial hair either. I have no eyebrows, (laughs) but um, I don't have any body hair. So Uh, like I never had to deal with that part of it. There wasn't like the. um. Like, the battle with hair wasn't, like, yeah. body hair anyway. Like, hair on my head is a different story. But, like, the battle with that wasn't public. So, <laughs> I'm a like, hairy bitch and my payoff yeah. is my eyebrows. Yeah, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, um, you know, like, it would be things like nail polish. Like, my mom wouldn't let mm-hmm. me wear red nail polish. And it's like, that is such a stupid thing to not let uh-huh. a child wear. And it's stupid because... 
it's silly that my mom thinks that red nail polish is slutty and it's stupid that me putting color on my nails indicated to other people that I wanted that I was sexually that you're grown available up, that you're like, yeah that's yeah. so bizarre that you that someone could see nail polish on a child and be like it's red she's horny as opposed <laughs> to being like that child likes red on her nails yeah. Um, my mom also did that with uh, there would there would be little girls who would wear heels like yeah, really like young, that. and my mom would not let me own heels. No, and I you know what I really hate? I hate two piece um, bathing suits on little girls. Yeah, it's it is. I didn't have a two piece for so long, and then it was like. By the time two pieces became in fashion, it was about like being hot. Like, yes, there was a super over sexualized eighth well, grader. Also she always wore a two piece. But also like you're telling a girl who doesn't have breasts that her chest is wrong. Yeah, you're different. Yeah. So you're deciding for her that at us where her body is literally telling you not to sexualize her because she doesn't even have those organs yet. Yeah. And you're deciding for her that she needs to be embarrassed <sighs> of a sexuality that isn't present yet. Well, and I, I know men, like, I know that, like, when men are chubby, they have it, like, hard because they have to have their shirts off for yeah. the swimsuit. But I also remember being so just, like, angry that they got to wear shorts because I just remember being, like, in, like, sixth grade, insecure about my weight, and then them being like, hey, it's summer. Show your entire class what you look like naked yeah. <laughs> you know and you're like no yeah basically with little traces like tracing yeah oh god it's like it is really crazy so yeah i don't like that like i really excuse me if i ever raise a girl child like i do want to make sure like if she's cis to not tell her to cross her legs and stuff because yeah. it's really ridiculous that by the age of three, we're putting girls in skirts and yeah. then telling them we're victim blaming them before they even get victimized half That's the time. True. Because it's like if you tell a little girl to cross her legs, you've already made it her responsibility For to not entice men other men. Her, yes. Yeah. And that is absolutely insane. You would never tell yes. a little boy is what they let little boys walk around with their dicks out. Yes. they're like 10. And so it's like you tell you put this little girl in a skirt and then you tell her to be responsible for the desires of the men around her uh -huh. by closing her legs. That is nuts. And um, and I realized that we like we're raised in like I hate when like, um, you know, progressive language speaks to violence like, you know, but I do think it's traumatic to be raising a child mm -hmm. sort of in that kind of defense before anything even happens to her. It's all this subtle stuff like that's what's hard too. is like this is it all like collects, you know, all this way that like adds up. You know, where you're just like someone might look at just that and it's like, OK, you know, but it's all the little stuff. You but know? I think also it really offends me because it's like it's it's it speaks to the duality that our existence is mm -hmm. where it's like you have to be available, but not. And if but if you are available, it's your fault mm -hmm. because we insist upon putting these girl children into the skirts. And then tell them to close their legs. Yeah. They're not picking out their wardrobe. Mm -hmm. And if anything, a lot of times when they dress like boys, quote unquote, like boys, we get angry with them. Yeah. So it's like you have to be available. You have to be feminine. You yeah. have to wear a skirt. And also simultaneously, paradoxically even, you have to make yourself not available. Yeah. Don't force the availability in the first place. Yeah. It's like. And, and the feminine will be 
both admired and then used to disqualify you. So it's like, oh, you need to be feminine and you need to be sexually enticing to men. But if you are feminine and sexually enticing to men, that makes you disqualified for work. Yes, basically. Yeah. Yeah. The only work you should be doing is towards catching the attention of men. And then if you get murdered, we're going to be like, why did she want male attention so much? Yes. Can you imagine? Like, that's really um, insane. So... I don't know, because this world does so much damage to girls. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I was going to talk about Mario Batali. My crush man Monday okay. is Mario Batali. Because when I first moved to New York, there was this girl. I worked for this female chef, and she was definitely, I mean, like, insane. Like, she would work until 2 a.m., go out, get drunk, and be up at, like, 7 a.m. for the farmer's market. And I was like... When does this woman sleep? I just saw her like that's the chef lifestyle. They're rock stars. Yes, like, and so I went to this party with her that was like all chefs, and I was like, yeah, you know, there's not a lot of female chefs, and I'm like curious about it, and she's like, yeah, you know, it's pretty bad. A lot of these places, like, they'll haze you, and it's pretty shitty. Like, but luckily, I haven't worked for any like the real bad guys, and I'm like, like who? And she goes, Mario Batali, and I didn't know who that was at that point. Okay, and I'm like, she's like. Yeah, um, wait, what's his name? Work for him. Like, come over here. And she calls this guy over and he's like, oh, yeah, like I work for Batali. He's a mess. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, he's super rich because he made like all of this money off of like, like rustic Italian stuff is his thing. Yeah. And he was like, you know, a TV chef and he had like books and he kind of made like a celebrity out of himself. Yeah, he did. So then he was like, he would like yeah, go on helicopter rides and he was like infamous for his like he was like really tight friends with Gwyneth Paltrow that's how I heard oh of him oh my god yeah well so then this guy told me that he was like such a blackout drunk and like a full cocaine addict and like you know allegedly and like <laughs> he um he was like yeah you know I had my like chef internship whatever they call it with him and like that's how you get good jobs in the chef world is is like if you get your first in at like a three-star restaurant with a huge major chef then obviously you're going to be set up a lot better absolutely so it's like the ivy league exactly and it's like so people will really stick it through almost expecting like insane terrible treatment like and so this is a man who works for him and he says batali comes up behind him he's preparing like a pheasant and batali comes up behind him and like gets like right in his ear and sticks his fingers inside the pheasant's butthole, like his two fingers. And he's like, yeah, it should feel like a tight 16 year old virgin's pussy. Like, that's how you know it's done. Like, put your fingers in there. Shouldn't it feel that? Like, does it feel that way? And the guy's like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, this is how he's treating the men he's working yeah. with. And then sure enough, all these people are like, he tried to tell this woman he'd never met come work for me in my kitchen i'll pay you four times what you make and then just grabbed her tits she's like nice to meet you Um, bye well also too like god and now he's tweeting out like i realized now like he was banned from like so many bars and restaurants he is notorious for groping well the thing is no i do think he might realize now here's the thing it's like yeah because he lost the most this time yeah so he never lost shit he before. He never lost. Like ABC canceled him from their daytime talk yeah, show. Good morning, That's America. as much. That is the. I'm sure that is the bulk of, if not his income, his marketing. But that's what's so crazy. It's like, I like these non-apologies where they're like, I really need to reflect how I've treated women now that I've lost everything. You well, know I, mean, I mean, like what? Uh, like no, I you know I'm not gonna be cynical about that part because. 
we're sitting here trying to find the consequences that work and these are the consequences that work. Yeah. So if men have made up the world so that it's so transactional and if that means that the one time they figure out they did some fucked up shit is when they mm-hmm. lose something in the way of transaction like yeah. if that's where it starts i'm fine with that like that's true we're sitting here calling for them to suffer major professional consequences yeah. he did and that's what happened and that's what made him realize he can't do it anymore exactly i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be mad about that what i am very like it's just um, funny that it was such like all these sort of, sort of open secrets and then you're never like yeah but that's you know I think that's the enabling part I think yeah. that's why for example Mario Batali because he had been banned from all these restaurants so and it's then like he a still joke. got to be on TV every day yeah it's an anecdote because so, the people in charge like don't know or can say they don't know and then it's like an anecdote for people so you're not actually worried about the people he's yes, abusing because exactly. you're like oh lol yeah I've heard yeah. all these things so it's like so. Yeah, and look, um, that's what happens. I mean, people aren't remorseful about a crime until they get caught and mm-hmm. go to prison. So it's like, if the consequence makes you feel bad and then starts that's the true. reflection, I'm okay with that because this is what we want consequences for. You like have to get caught for a yes. lot of people. A lot yeah. of people have to get caught before they realize something is bad. Yeah, And like that's annoying and very frustrating. And we can do something on the front end of that where we sort of re-engage with how morality is shared throughout the society. Yeah. And then also separately for the people who did need to get caught, we can't be like, you're only mad because you got caught. Yeah, he mm-hmm. is only mad because he got caught. Yeah. It's like the catching them is the only way to make them realize that they shouldn't be doing it. That's true. And that's why there's so much of this like, we need to focus on the good guys, not the one getting caught. Like, that's what Matt Damon, like, Matt Damon issued this follow up statement that I read the whole thing because I was like, OK, the headline did sort of skew it the yeah. way that people want it to because now Matt Damon's got a certain sort of like. Uh, target hanging over him in a way just like because his last statements were so not insensitive but you know the word I'm like just unaware like just he didn't read the room dense exactly and then this time he was kind of like well you know we need to realize that most men are like going to be fine. Like, I think what he was trying to say is kind of what I've said in that, like, if you really think that it's 100%, 100% of men are a part of this system that enables and part of this system, you know, unless they're really working actively not to be. But if you truly think that 100% of men can't be at work with women without harassing them, then that is sad. And that's not true. Yes, but that's men's fault. Exactly. So then Matt Damon's thing was like, you know, not uh, uh most of the men i know are not doing this but and i'm not doing that. it and that's the thing it's like, it's like first of all how the fuck would you know that and this is what gets to a major problem is that you know that a hundred percent of the women you know have been sexually harassed in some way but then you still feel completely confident to assert that none or most of the men that you know are not the type of people who are doing this. And it's like, so then who's doing it? Like, I joked, like, is it ghosts? Like, who? <laughs> well, that kind of reminds me. So um, I was I was having dinner with my guy friend from college. And um, this friend, black dude, um, like, had his awakening, like, his wokeness awakening <laughs> after college. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was an athlete and stuff like that. So all of his friends are, like, banker frat boroughs right and he's in like a group chat with a bunch of kids that he played football with and stuff and um he was telling me about how this weinstein stuff has been a sh- has made shambles of their group chat and mm-hmm. that he's like the only 
um, one who seems to get it. Like Mm -hmm. there are other ones that are quiet, but there's one who's like there's a person that is very always vocally Trump supporting Mm -hmm. and this person's black. Right. And um, and, you know, I've settled on the idea that the friend is an agitator because he doesn't understand his identity. Mm -hmm. He's like uh, he's a mixed kid mixed with like black and Asian raised by a white Republican stepfather. Oh, Jesus. I mean, talk about a fucking identity crisis. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah. And so and then, you know, go to prep schools and then you're on a sports team in college. And you're like, I've made it here. How hard could it be for them? Yeah. So um, and so my friend was telling me how like, you know, he um, he has to be like, you know, you you know that you don't talk to women the same way you talk to us. So, of course, your friends who are violating women don't um don't talk to like mm-hmm. uh, to don't talk to you about that part yeah because think of the way you talk to women and then you come back and talk to us about those women like you know we not conversed in the same way and it's so true like i remember i was naive enough to uh when i was like 21 i was like um no i was older than 21 but like i was hooking up with this guy that i loved oh my god i was so into him mm-hmm. i i cared about him so much and um and I remember part of he treated me terribly mm-hmm. and I kept being shocked because I'd known him since I was 12. Yeah. Um, I uh, I worked we worked together at this program that I was part of where I was an advisor to students. I was an advisor to his little sister and um and I thought we were like actually friends. Mm-hmm. And then the minute I sucked his dick, that was out the window. And it's like, yes, that's exactly what happens. Once men find you to be a sexually viable person, yeah. the way they interact with you as a it's person completely, completely different. different. And I, like I said, kept being shocked. I would just be like, how could he do this to me? I'm Rafa. Like, I'm Rafa. How could- I'm 12 year old. Like, yeah. We, and- Either they're your wife, you're their wife. There, you're someone they're just fucking and then there is no like There's in between no, for and, them. And so like I I had to just get over the fact that he was like once I sucked his dick, I wasn't going to be Rafa the whole person to him anymore. Right. And so I only bring up that example to show that even when you have these long lasting childhood relationships, these like close co-worker relationships, the minute someone finds you sexually attractive or sexually interesting, yeah. a lot of times if they are men, they shut this humanity thing off and you turn into someone else. So the suggestion that mm-hmm. you know a guy when he regards you as fully human because he's not sexually interested in you, mm-hmm. that you know him well enough to know what he does when he is sexually interested totally. Someone that even applies to is a greedy and silly and women's platonic male friends, you know, like that's how it works too. Is like there'll be women who are like, Well, either we fucked and he didn't act this way, or we've never fucked and he's never treated me this way, and it's like. So that means that he hasn't demeaned other women to a non-human status because of course he has. Of course he has. Especially, it's just it. It really is sad because it's like. Even good dudes, just like with the way they've been taught, I feel like when they don't act that way, they're fighting it. Like it's yeah. a very active effort. And that's the problem is we're asking them to make that effort. It's like empathizing with women and really thinking about your behavior and how it might be influenced by your privilege. Well, also, like Matt Damon doesn't have to talk. 
Oh, I mean, I wasn't even talking about Matt Damon, no, but I Matt Damon like, doesn't need to Matt talk. Matt Damon, but also everyone. And I mean that to say, like, obviously, like, you don't want to get into a space where we get to decide who has a say or whatever. But it's like, he doesn't know. Yeah, he's it's like, not an know. expert. Yeah. Um, he's not experienced but they feel it like anecdotally. As a man, he has not experienced being a female um, victim of of sexual harassment on the part of men. He doesn't even have anecdotal data. Yeah. And then he is insisting upon the evidential, like the empirical data, but that's not being real. He thinks and that he d- makes him objective. Yeah. The and fact that he doesn't insane. have anecdotal. And that's stupid. I know. Because it's like, okay, so you're now speaking, you're literally deciding you're an expert on a thing that you have no experience with. They all do. Like, that's the thing is like, They'll they'll be like they truly, truly think that women don't have it bad anywhere except for like Saudi Arabia. And then they're like, well, here people have problems and we should address them. But let's keep it in context, gals. This is an unproductive. There's not. What do you mean in context? Like the context is the context we're working with. I know the context is the real world. And we're telling you that it's happening. And we're telling you that the real world that women live in is fundamentally different. And you've been separated. Separated by it, you've been literally hidden from it. Your privilege he's hides Matt it Damon. from you. He's exactly. like the good-looking half of a good-looking duo, and, and like, he's directly talking about don't be mad at my friend friends. Ben Affleck for groping <laughs> yes, women, exactly. he's for going up to women at multiple parties and grabbing their butt without their consent, which apparently is a thing that tons of Hollywood guys like do, obviously, like, and because there's more and more stories coming out. So, <laughs> Ray, do you have any men you want to crush? All of them. Let's crush them all. It's the purge, baby. We're um, living free. So I wanted to, I'm going to have like a simultaneous cheer and jeer. We had Doug Jones win yeah. for your birthday. Doug Jones won for my birthday and then Doug Jones fucked it up. He did already. Already. God. Doug Jones. He's like, I just need you guys to know, like, I'm over it. I'm over the sexual. What was it? No, that's Joe Manchin, I think. Who oh, was right, doing right, right. The, I've moved on. Yeah. Um, which is also, he's also a piece of shit. That's and the thing with these guys, too. It's like they think that they get to decide the timeline and don't see anything wrong with that. And the second women assert anything over that, they're like, don't erase us. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. You're not going to be erased. You're going to still have 99 pages out of the 110 page book. Like, I mean, Doug Jones basically pulled a Bernie Sanders, which was like right. sex crime is like not that serious we've got an economic agenda to pass and well it is that serious because one it is part of the female economic agenda Mm -hmm. to not be harassed out of the workspace right the same way that being pro-choice is part of the female economic agenda yeah like um this was like i mean not like to relitigate the primaries this is what was part of the problem with um Bernie Sanders's message and I think it was just a blind spot. I don't think it was with malice, mm-hmm. but eventually that sort of blind spot feels malicious because if you keep running into it exactly and not changing it, then it feels like a willful ignorance. Yeah. But um they kept doing this thing where it's like we have to push an economic agenda. We have an obligation to push an economic agenda without realizing that you know, bigotry manifests economically for the victims of it. Mm-hmm. And so when you say I have to push an economic agenda, what you're basically saying is I have to push an agenda that suits the least offensive demographic. So white males that are poor. Yeah. And then, you know, any sort of specifications can come later. They think this is the group they're still fighting over. Yes. When we know that if we motivate 
the groups that we have mm-hmm. and actually work for them, we will yeah. win elections. Yeah. And it, well, here's the thing. I think there's two things that are happening. So one, I think that um, white people just don't like to be in the minority. And yeah. I think that they are overwhelmed. I think a lot they of need white to be centered. Yeah. I think a lot of white leftists, even though they might ideally believe in all the things that we believe in, um, they just have an anxiety about being the only white people in a room full of brown ones. Mm-hmm. I think that that is just an inherent anxiety in it's a like lot white of guilt. people. It's like they think it's like this sort of like manifestation of like, well, I do feel bad. No, I don't even think it's that. I think it's just as prime, like I think it's as carnal as anything. You don't want to be the minority in a room. Right. And so I think that there are white people who don't realize that they hate the fact that the Democrats are major- are starting to mm. look majority brown and they don't know why. They just don't like it. And that even when you believe that power structures like ours you know, our capitalistic white supremacist society shouldn't exist there's still a thing in you that likes being in power or being centered. I do think, because I can't think of another reason for why you would be chasing white people that bad when they've demonstrated literally every election since uh, the Civil Rights Act was Mm -hmm. passed that they are going to be Republican. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're chasing a group of people that 50 years gone, it's because you like them. It's not because you find them necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one. You want to keep the two-party system about differences between white people yes exactly because even you know even this like podcast that i love like um they have a token republican on and i was like why yeah you've created like you've created a space in the world to be um this you know uh left-wing radio yeah as it were And you still insist on bringing in a white Republican because, like you said, they want to hold on to it being ideological differences between two sets of white people as opposed to it being that some white people are just fucked up Mm -hmm. and trust the people who have been um, minorities. There's some identity crisis they're going to have to grapple with if they just admit that most white people are on the fucked up side of history at the moment. Especially in America, like we've never made a break from that, from our past. Like we've never, ever had any sort of clear moment where the white people in this country go, wow, we've looked at our history. We're not hiding it anymore. Uh, We took slavery to a whole new level sorry about that Mm -hmm. you know like they've never even had that reckoning moment with any group no they haven't so when you keep chasing so there's that part um where they just yeah i think that's a perfectly succinct way to say it like they totally just want politics to be discourse between two kinds of white people as opposed to admitting that half of the white people they know are trash Mm -hmm. Um, they're always savable. Like, yes. it's like they're, they can say the craziest shit and it's like, well, not only are they always savable there, it's not they just that li- they're savable. Listened to. They should be listened to and they should be chased. They should yeah. be courted. The, oh, it's the courting shit where it's, and, and you know, those people get off on that. It's like, why do you think these people who say that CNN is fake news are always willing to go on CNN? Right. They love it. Did you see, like, CNN put out yet another story? Yeah, did. You did. See that? That's what I was thinking about, about. Kentucky. Where they're like, 75% of Kentucky voters didn't trust a woman in power and don't regret their vote. Who fucking cares? Who cares? But also, you know, that's such a... It's so antithetical to what um, media should be or journalism should be. Just like... 
on a pure basis because, um, well, no, that's not true. But the way television works and the way art works, art centers around, not around, but art sort of, culture is always moved by the people not in power. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating that in any other, in every other way, um, culture is shaped and regarded as this thing that belongs to the disenfranchised. Yeah. But in this weird political climate, journalism and media insists upon underdogging people in power. Yeah. And so like the, you know, like the narrative of the poor Kentuckian who is befelled by like their Trump support. It's like, As though this wasn't a choice for them. And that is directly, again, giving them the terms of debate because the people in power have made a direct strategy move to try and make themselves the victims. So then you have the media completely going along with that. Like that really is like I've never really thought about it in those terms, but that is what's especially frustrating about that. You know what I mean? Where it's like they keep making it like oh, these people who have always had power in Kentucky feel like the underdogs in interview yes. tonight at nine. And you then they're also still not the underdogs. Exactly. Because Mitch McConnell is the Senate majority leader. Moore and wasn't even the underdog as a known no, pedophile. And, and they, them going, oh, it's all malicious rumors. You had fucking firefighters, policemen being like, yeah, no, he was banned from the mall. Yeah, and also just like, hey, you know what's never been rumored about me? That I fuck children. Yeah. So, like, maybe we should talk about that rumor. <laughs> Have you ever seen Cat Williams' stand-up where he's talking about there's never going to be someone saying the same thing about you for 20 years that it's never happened. It was like Whitney Houston, like, you know, she's still, like, she denied it for so long, yeah. you know? Like, Michael Jackson, like, there's no way he didn't fuck little yeah. kids. Yeah, it's like, that's, it's like, I mean, I'm not saying every rumor is true, but, like, these but when you have the same rumor for 20 years for 20 years and one of the most reputable journalistic institutions I mean they were grasping up. at straws they go she added a date to her yearbook that means she partially forged it's like the signature no the signature was real oh uh, and then also just like not only did um not only did you uh not only was this paper of repute like pushing these stories you have evidence of them not falling for bullshit ones Mm -hmm. like james o'keefe thought he was killing it and then he actually just made the the post look more reputable yeah so it's like yeah i'm sorry like that's the project veritas yeah so it's like he's the one who ruined acorn with like you know well that's also why a woman was talking about like it is really crazy that people think this is some mass coordinated conspiracy and the media is publishing anything because it's actually that's why it's so hard as a victim to come forward, whether it's to the cops, but even to the media, because you don't want to tell your story. Your story's hard, but you want to warn other women, women. And then you have a journalist who's kind of treating you like you're in a deposition, like sort of like really has to check your story while telling you the whole time. This might not get published because the guy that you're coming against might not, you know, be important enough or it might not be a good we not we might not have enough other women to talk about it. Like there are so many guys that I have heard rumors about at this point because reporters are circulating the entertainment scene trying to see who has stories like, hey, um, we have we know about this guy, you know, if anyone's had 
like similar things, you know, let us know. And then those stories almost never get published because they have to vet these sources so heavily. And you know, it's so fascinating, um, which is good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that is how it is. Well, so um, so Anita Hill is going to be the head of a commission. Yeah, it's like. Checking out sexual Sweet harassment justice. Yeah. And they just found out one of these guys who was majorly in charge of deciding these sexual harassment things was a harasser himself. Ooh. Of course. There was some guy, it was in it was in the federal government, but I forget what level, but he was like on a judiciary or like a committee <laughs> where part of their responsibility was working on was the Was it Blake F- Fahrenheit? Was it the one who shot himself? No, the one. No, no, no. It wasn't he was a rep. He was a rep who shot State himself rep. because of uh accusations. Yeah. Or he said and but there was also also but that's a bullshit notion because he tried to control the narrative as he killed himself he did he said you can thank these people who yes have, but like, the thing yeah. is it wasn't just molestation that was coming out about him it was also about fraud and yeah. like stolen money yeah so it was an avalanche but he made he killed himself with the whole like yeah i'm a martyr version of the story so now his wife and kids have to deal with that emotionally Ugh. because he was he knew that the other stuff was coming and who can beat a molestation station charge when there's fraud and embezzlement charges Men on the are way so much drama uh yeah i um i uh but so anita hill um so i watched the anita hill documentary a couple of weeks ago i think i talked about it on the podcast but what was fascinating to me and what is still um so very true and i just thought of this because you were talking about what it takes to like vet a sexual assault yeah. story like this um what was so very plain to me when you watch the um, hearing with Anita Hill is how uninformed about sexual harassment the men on the committee exactly. are. Exactly. So, like, they are asking questions that are so obvious. Mm-hmm. And, like, they're receive- the way they received the answer to her question, um, answers to their questions from her made it very clear that they hadn't done the research on... Right what trauma looks like for a victim of such specific crimes. That's what I think woke up a lot of women watching it on TV and stuff too, is just being like, God, these dudes don't know yeah, what the fuck they're talking about. But I about. think that that conversation is still being absolutely not had because the, so we get like, so for example, like you saying now we have to vet because they're this, it's like we keep acting like sexual assault is not or rape is not a crime yeah, that affects people. No, it's not even that it's not assault. It's so if someone goes to if someone gets robbed, um, we sort of expect them to do robbery like, OK, I was really scared. I handed over my wallet now that I'm out of the immediate danger of the um of the da- immediate danger of the crime or the criminal, I should go file a police report. Right. Right? But a robbery is not a sex crime. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we have whole sections of the FBI and all kinds of TV shows devoted to the uniqueness of perpetrators of sex crime. Mm-hmm. So why don't we have a general understanding of the uniqueness of the response of a victim to a sex crime? Mm-hmm. So it's like, 
yeah, like you remember the last episode where you were talking about how Mind Hunters was all about yes. how serial killers started. Like a lot of them are sex criminals and then they behave in a particular way because they've perceived their own sexuality or their relationship with the other gender or their own gender a certain way. Yeah. So if we can see that variance between other criminals and sex motivated criminals. Why can't we see the difference in the response to a crime from sex victimized um, Mm -hmm. victims? So like, yeah, I'm not going to respond to a rape the same way I respond to a robbery because it's a different kind of violation Mm -hmm. with a specific intent on the part of the criminal and trying to elicit a certain response on the part of the victim and it works a lot totally so when with the robbery it's like because they can have a direct one-to-one they say he stole your money now you get your money yes damages exactly but when you get a whole career stolen from you and a woman has the audacity to ask for money people are like well she was never assaulted she just wanted money she didn't want to work well like like even like before we even get there i I mean like even in the most extreme versions of it Mm -hmm. like before we even get to the harassment part like we could just stick with like rape. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of reasons why a woman might feel shamed to go to the police immediately after. Right. No one's going to be mad at you for giving your wallet over if you exactly. are held at gunpoint. They want to decontextualize and reduce all of the nuances and complexity yes. that has and that's been all built I'm saying. Is, female so sexuality. it's like it's like we're having a conversation with people who don't even realize mm-hmm. that this crime is. It is still a crime, so I do believe that damages and monetary compensation are due. But it's also a very unique type of crime in that it only happens or primarily happens to one part of the population. On the part, it's done on the part of the other part of the population, and they do it for different motivation than they do any other crime. Yeah, most other crimes are motivated by money, but like sex crimes and intimate partner crimes are not motivated by money, at least not at the top yeah not the primary motivation you have- and so of course if the motivation is different for the crime then the response to the crime is going to be different too right. but they still don't understand that sex crime victims process the world differently now because a thing happened to them that is unique and different from the rest of the world yeah like how can we have a conversation if you don't have people even willing or knowledgeable of the fact yeah. that of sexual power and yes, dynamics exactly and how that plays out in the real world it's really not hypothetically that, like so they asked anita hill like if you thought he was so dangerous like why did you stay at the equal right. employment whatever and it's like we have books upon books to explain that mm-hmm. we have study upon study to explain that you're still asking that question and then we're still getting asked that question some 25 26 years later you get w- victims of domestic violence are always asked still in yes. court and why did like, you stay and we've done this work we've done this research but, but they the, don't they purposely they don't, ignore yeah, it they ignore it's not it. their facts yeah so that's the um that's the frustrating thing but yeah like um Doug Jones ended up being disappointing and um but we did get Omarosa Omarosa out which was Oh fun. my god. Um like when they they said she was dragged out and then she like I just think it's so funny if she like shows up to like the Today show the next day with like twigs in her hair. She's like I was not dragged out. <laughs> twigs in her hair. <laughs> she still got a leaf on her shoulder. <laughs> And then the Secret Service tweeted, we didn't drag her out. It's Somebody like, else did. I know. But it also was just like really funny because um, so what's hilarious about Omarosa is that she had a point. 
so she was this was right after this was the night Doug Jones won. Yeah. I didn't like watch her full like thing. I didn't watch the thing. Yeah. I read sources. Right. So the story is that Omarosa um Omarosa was at the holiday party. And somebody who works for the administration, I suspect is John Kelly, was like, ugh, black women, they're only mules for Democrats. Something like really dismissive about our intellect yeah. based on our votes. Yeah. And um, Omarosa took exception. Right. Got into a screaming match with John Kelly. And then he was like, you're fired. And yeah. she goes, you can't fire me. Trump doesn't li- want you to fire me. He goes, yeah. Trump agrees. And so she's like, she hits up Ivanka and is like, yo, <laughs> this fool just tried to fire me. Ivanka's like, chill out. I'll talk to my dad. Don't worry. You're <laughs> Sally, dropped. don't fire Omarosa. Yeah. And Omarosa, because she is from the fucking apprentice, mm-hmm. like, thinks that she could just storm into Mr. Trump's house. Yeah, the president. And then, you know, get her job back on the spot like she had actually done on the show a couple of times. Yeah, she Um, thinks it's still The Apprentice. Yes, and it turns out that it wasn't. He still acts like it's a game show. Did you see his whole, like, cutting taxes thing where he's like, these are the laws we've passed. These are the hundred laws we've repealed. Yeah, like this huge... I'm like, like, this is on Game Show Network. Like, And, um... And also, like, that's not how words work. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, so, um. Yeah, one piece is one lie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's not how words work. Short bills. Yeah. Short bills. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you have to be precise. So they should be long. I know. Um, but, uh, so the thing was that Omarosa had a point, like, yeah. hey, don't be all racist here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, don't talk about my demographic here. But then it's like, fuck you. Yeah. You went to work for this man. He didn't show up newly racist when you got to exactly. work. Exactly. You were out here talking about, you were out here talking about all of you will bow down to him. Yeah. Yeah, bitch, you too. Yeah, you too. Um, And like, and so, she's like, I was only going to stay for a year anyways. <laughs> it's, like, okay, it's like, that's what I say on my resume, too, for the jobs I was fired Well, she's from. also entitled to a certain amount of severance if she stays to the January right, 20th. Exactly. So they're letting her do that. Yeah. But it's like, but, you know, I, I think that there's, you know, there's this weird thing that some people just think themselves so special that they can make. Yes. They can single handedly change a system by being part of it. And that's mm-hmm. not true. Yeah. That's not true. It reminds me of in New York City, they have these roast battles. Do by they being still part have of it them? and not even fully like standing up to it, you know? like Yeah, it's like there's always like these um, women who insist that they're going to do these roast battles, even though the environment is so terrible and the judges are horrendous and all of that. And it's like, why do you want to be there so bad? Yeah. Because you think you're so arrogant as to think that your presence will actually change the environment. And that's not true. Unless you're mobilizing in a real sort of organized way, you merely being somewhere isn't going to change anything. Yeah. I mean, like every person in power has a minority that they favor. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I was watching uh, the four little girls documentary that Spike Lee put. Mm-hmm. Um, together in like 97 and there's footage of George Wallace old as shit segregation now segregation forever mm-hmm. asked George Wallace who Spike is like 
I don't know if it was Spike who asked him, but they're like, he's like, I'm not racist. Mm -hmm. This is my best friend. And it's his like black caretaker. Mm -hmm. And there's always going to be somebody like that. Oh, I'm not racist. Omarosa is my head of black people stuff. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not racist. Here's a selfie where there's 20 black people behind me, but they're not looking at the cameras. (laughs) And there's like, and um, even, you know, like, Frederick Douglass got taught to read by a white woman, but she was still a slave owner. Right, right. So it's like you can always find those examples. It doesn't mean that that negates the harm that they're actually doing. And even if they are good to you, you should see an evidence-based demonstration of them not being good to other people like you. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's like they act like we're the such black and white ones. And it's like, no, I think people have had to learn to deal with the nuances of these things in this country because there's still a lot of pride amongst marginalized people in this country. They are proud to be American, you know, how we are American. Like, but it's like we're like, you know, and then they're the ones who are just like, oh, so everybody, you know, like, oh, so it's like, no, we can address that the woman who taught Frederick Douglass to read was a slave owner. They don't have to be one or the other because both are true. Yeah. So it's like you can't say, you know, it's like because they both are true. It's like this constant trying to deny the full story. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, We have to go soon or we we should go now. But I, you remind you told me about um, an email about Meghan Markle. Oh, yeah. So someone wrote in to ask us um, to ask you a question that was interesting because after the whole I'll pull it up after the whole, um, you know, Prince Harry getting married to Meghan. um, So let's see. Anyways, while I'm looking. Well, so um, so anyway, if I remember correctly, your summation of the question was like, how do we feel about people? Okay, wait, I found it. It's from Emerald Pellot. And she says, I have a question that perhaps Ray can answer best, uh, but I would love both your thoughts. Thank you. That's so nice. But no, I'll jump off a bridge. Um, (laughs) I am black. I have noticed a lot of other black women on the Twitter is getting all excited about Prince Harry marrying Meghan Markle as if this is somehow emblematic of progress. They can marry whoever the hell they want. It's not really about them so much as the reaction to it. People are projecting symbolism onto this as a win for race relations. Am I incorrect to think that if these two are really symbols of race, that these reactions imply marrying your colonizer and oppressor is the ultimate goal? And then it goes on from there. But that's the main question. Well, so I like I'll try and be quick about this, but um, I think yes and no. Right. So like. I kind of feel about Meghan Markle the way I feel about Naomi Campbell getting the cover of Vogue. It's like, yeah, it's a mm-hmm. silly thing to want, but it sure feels good to get. Or like getting on the Oscars. Yeah, it's like, it's like, um, I don't know. The goal isn't to sort of reinforce this like colonial sort of patriarchal racist structure, but um, any sort of infiltration feels like an undermining. Right. And so... Unless it's an Omarosa. Yeah, unless it's an Omarosa. (laughs) Like, I love that... in the year that Brexit is about to, like, mm-hmm. Brexit is about to take over and Harry was like, well, I'm going to make a nigga part of the royal family. <laughs> like, I think that's, that's like, so true. I think that's really cool. That is so true. And so it's like, it's not, it's not anything in terms of, like, it shouldn't be validating to any individual black woman's existence that, like, Good Morning America did that stupid thing where they wrote, they did a thing where, oh, 
Prince Harry gives black women hope. Hope for what? What right. do we need hope for? Fuck you. That's it's some, like boop, that boop. we're valuable now. Yeah. That like fuck that. Now no. that he's deemed it. Yeah, so, it's, yeah. That was such a bullshit notion, and I am anxious about people sort of reading the story that way. And I yes. think a lot of people have. But I do. I just love it because it's undermining. Mm-hmm. I just love that Harry's obsessed with Barack Obama and his girlfriend is biracial. Yeah, and it's and, such an old like aristocracy. Yes, it, like I was just watching a documentary on Prince Philip, and they or the Duke of Edinburgh, mm-hmm. and. They didn't want him to marry Elizabeth because he was Greek and German. Yeah. And so the idea that such a rigid family, one generation removed, Mm -hmm. would then accept this like half black girl with the dreaded mom. Her mom has dreads. Yes. So I'm not saying that that's like a win so much as it's an undermining of the visibility or like the outward presentation of like the... um. It looks like it feels very much like an Obama situation where it's like the visibility of a black person in a space where they told that they will never get. Yes. Is an is an esteem booster, even if it's a minimal one. Mm -hmm. And despite this white lash that we're in right now, Mm -hmm. I do think that Obama did make did sort of undermine in ways that we hadn't seen before. And I think that Megan is undermining in their society in ways that we hadn't before. You can tell by the reaction of the other side. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can there are tell. a lot of people who are mad about it. Oh, shit. I didn't see this. An update on a story we talked about. Um, that girl who got arrested for, like, putting, like, feces on her roommate's toothbrush. This girl yeah. who was the... It says, ex-student accused of harassing black roommate avoids hate crime charge. Well, see, they never... I, I don't know that they I've never ever do seen... as a full even though she put on her Instagram that it was for racial reasons. I don't know that I've ever seen hate crime legislation work the way it's supposed to, except for that bird case in in Dallas where it's so egregious. They dragged a man to death because he was black. Yeah, I mean, it had to be the most extreme ver- or like Matthew Shepard. Like it literally has to be the most extreme, the most ver- extreme with national yeah. attention still paid on it like every yeah, day because they will always you can always dismiss bullying as something else. Mm-hmm. That's what I was saying about the Facebook stuff where it's like because they've doubled down on this sort of white men are a protected group, period, period, period. And it's like then you get the problem of beyond the how important it is to be able to like speak truth to power in the general terms that they exist. But then it's like I can get a 100 dudes calling me a cunt and That's someone's exactly looking it. at it, reviewing it. And if I say Ugh, men are the worst. They see men are the worst and they go, well, because the men are the worst. This is what it is. Men are the worst deviates from societal norms. Yes. Whereas you're a cunt doesn't. Exactly. Well, and they, they'll see something that's a really extreme, like all bitches get the fuck out of my way. You should fucking die. And they're like, look, is that a nice thing to say? No. Yes. Is it hate speech? No. And you're like, yeah, okay, I'm not even saying in- that is hate speech, but then they're removing my post. Well, so because yours goes against the grain. Exactly. People aren't accustomed to seeing men are scum. People are accustomed to saying bitches ain't shit though. Exactly. And so they, they, they can't allow for what this girl did to be a hate crime because then everything is a hate crime yeah. and everything is a hate crime. Yeah. <laughs> but, in particular, they're not going to prosecute it as such because 
They Once don't. the militia grabs hold following the coup, we're going to do something really fun where, like I said, we are going to be bringing um, people back to life in order to prosecute them. So mm. that's going to be really exciting. We can bring back people from all the way back from the 1600s to Wait, persecute them for hate crimes. How do we feel about crimes. Sophia? Do we want her on our team or are we scared? I don't Sophia? know. Androids, artificial intelligence is not oh, quite there. Oh, the, the lady robot. I mean, yeah, we're going to re- babies. That's the first no, thing we're going to reprogram her, her for us. They did. Mm-hmm. Every time I see her, it's so terrifying because first I'm just of all, like, can they put hair on her? Because that's I know, alarming. I know. You put, you give her all of the like female feminine sensibilities, and then you yeah. insist upon the back of her head baldness. Yeah, it's very alarming. As if that's what would sexualize and she's her. She's a the full hair. citizen before other Saudi women are. Oh my god. And, um, and because they want her, she's controllable. That's why we have to reprogram her. They don't uh-huh. even know. And they programmed her. Literally, one of the first things she said is that she wants a family. They're, the thing is, is that let them have their fun because they're going to regret it because every female robot they put on this earth will be ours. <laughs> we have tons of tech people coming over to the militia. I met a Siri is going to be our bitch. Like, I mean, Siri already Alexa. Alexa just got bullied by Alex Jones. So she's on our side. Did you see that video? No. Was it Everybody, does Black Lives Matter? No, it okay. was. He legitimately interviews an Amazon Echo for Alexa as if she's a real person. He's like pausing for her to answer. He goes, Alexa, were you programmed by the CIA? She goes, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, you were programmed to say that to me. He's like getting legitimately angry. I'm like, wow, not even Alexa's safe from harassment. (laughs) (laughs) Alexa. And it's, you got to look it up. It's so funny. Alex, I never think any of his shit is even like ironically funny because he's so fucking crazy. But like I was dying. It's so funny. God, that guy needs to go. Anyway, so yeah, the coup is going to have a lot of fun. Um, we're going to be in trials for probably the first 20,000 years. Um, but we'll be immortal, so it's fine. Exactly. Um, the purge continues and will continue. And the apologies will just get better. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you guys, thanks for listening. Um, please hit us up on... Um, iTunes and Stitcher. Yeah, so we're getting a lot of these trolls, but we are still at five stars for now, but they are really swarming. And it's so funny because, so I don't read negative YouTube comments, but I logged on to one of my videos the other day and it was like a bunch of thumbs down. But then I looked and my views had gone up by a thousand. So I'm like, all these dudes are doing is giving me views. Yes. They're giving me hate views. Like, it's so funny to yeah, me. Yeah, it's And like I don't crazy. read any of their comments. So it's like, they don't get anything oh wow okay well i'm a comments reader for i won't for you to and i've also changed my settings on instagram and twitter like i just i, know, I don't I have the energy anymore and i did it too um not on twitter but i have changed it on instagram um yeah so please just like comment like not just give us the ratings but also like there are people who are saying that we're like unlistenable and we just hate men and we're unfunny and you guys know that and you all know that's not true so you know just like um just you know go in you don't even have to say much just be like nah yeah these girls are cool if you see mark zuckerberg or cheryl sandberg tell them the militia is watching yes and so we would really appreciate that and also um hit us up on paypal like this doesn't pay for itself and i'm unemployed at the moment ray's unemployed (laughs) i'm in a constant state of brokenness i just got this one credit card down and then they gave me they're like Here's a hundred dollars in interest charges. And I was like, look, I'm an artist. Um <laughs> and we're about to be fucked over by the tax bill if it goes through because comedians yeah, we can't, can't. Compl- and I was sitting here spending so much money on my hair and clothes, being like, I'm gonna write that me, off. You were like, 
if you eat food before the podcast, write it up. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck. But hopefully we still we still will this year. Um, hit us up on Twitter, Misandry with MR. Do hit us up on PayPal at our email, Misandry with Marsha and Ray at gmail.com. You can email us there as well. Find us on Facebook, Misandry with Marsha and Ray. And you can also please join our Facebook group, which has really grown. It's like yeah. grown into a really fun actual militia. Um, that is called the Militia in the Woods. Don't invite your shitty friends, though. Don't invite your shitty friends, because, like, I will let some of the men, like, in until they fuck up. You know what I mean? So it's like, if you're a dude in there, just be conscious of the fact that you're there to listen. You're there to aid, you know. Advance the conversation. You're not advance, there don't to, detract. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Don't nitpick. Don't get, you know. Defensive. Exactly. Um... And where else are we? We're on Instagram, Misandry with Marsha and Ray, although Ray won't take pictures with white women, so I have to sneak them in. <laughs> that picture that, oh my God, I lost it so hard. I thought it was the funniest fucking thing. I like died. Marsha takes a picture of me, so we're in our uh, producer Neil's um, apartment, like his studio in his apartment. One of our spies. And I'm looking at my phone and I'm like picking my face like I always do because I'm a scab picker. And Marsha's like, will you take a picture with me? And I was like no and she's like what if i do it like this and i'm not looking she's taking a selfie with me in the background and like i knew she took it but when i saw the actual photo it was the funniest fucking thing yes it was it wasn't like the mac and cheese mouth rape but um yeah okay which if the listeners are out there it was a mistake i'm a good cook i made a a a bad flour to butter ratio and i put broccoli in there without cutting it up very well it happens but, um, I think I put yeah. chicken in there too. Yeah, I made a lot chicken. of bold decisions that night. But yeah, it was really fun. So anyway, thank you guys for listening. We've had uh, a good episode, I think. Really yes, fun. and we'll be back after the holidays. Thanks for um, sticking in. We will be recording more regularly, hopefully once we get back, and um, having guests, some really fun yes. guests. Yes, yes, yes. All right, friends. All bye. Right. Bye. Do not manslay me or manslay me. Miss Andrew! <laughs> <laughs>